0: You already know what time it is. It's time for concepts and conversations with yours truly, Coach Brian, where we discuss a little bit of life, a little bit of progression, and a little bit of growth. One day, one moment at a time. So, we're at the finale of my first heartbreak. Now, usually, we would dive into some type of music once I get to the end of my intro. But this time, we're not going to do it. We're going to go directly into what happened during that infamous weekend in Lakeland, Florida. So the last, um, the last episode, we talked about how I was on the plane thinking about what I was going to say to the woman that I loved. What was I going to do? How was I going to take advantage of this opportunity that was gonna be given to me? Because this ultimately could be the beginning of what I always imagined, or could be the end of what I thought could be, but was never realized. So on that plane, I remember a conversation that I had with my mom And my mom had kind of told me and said, hey, I know you have your thoughts on the possibility, but I'm here to give you a little bit of a warning. That may not work in your favor. But that was like a, kind of like a small thought process in my mind, which I didn't know if it was going to manifest or not. But she did obviously give me a, kind of give me something to consider. But as I was on the plane and I had my Walkman and I had my CDs that I got from um, Clubhouse Music, which um, I almost got in trouble for that because I ordered um, all of these CDs and um, got the bill and dad had to take care of it. So it was definitely on me to... Um, not to do that again, but I was listening to the many CDs that I had, one of which I was listening to, John P. Key, Any Day, um, VIP Choir, um, which was ironic that I was listening to him because that was also one of the artists that would be a part of the concert along with a gospel artist that um, I loved and I had you know listened to his music and he was going to be there this man who is no longer with us but had a profound impact on gospel music Reverend Timothy Wright and um, also that would be there would be Vanessa Bell Armstrong and Kim Burrell. And so it was a power-packed weekend, and I get off of the plane. It was an early morning flight. Get off of the plane, get to Orlando. And I was picked up by my former pastor's daughter, who is now now a judge for Seminole County. I'm so proud of her. She was just sworn in a couple days ago. So she picks me up. We go grab something to eat. And then I'm informed that she is the one that's going to be picking up Reverend Wright and his sons, who happen to be the musicians for the festivities that we will be singing in. So it would be his son uh, David, then another one, I believe, um, I forgot their names just that quick. Um, <laughs> I'll have to DW and, um, I forgot the other guy's name, but we picked them up. And so, um, you know, I'm with them in the car with another gentleman, which, um, he, uh, we kind of was a, a little bit more laid back. So I was, first I was in the car with um, Reverend Wright and my pastor's, former pastor's daughter. And then I got in the car with um, the three musicians um, that um, were with Reverend Wright and it was someone else and we were in the car and um, one of the sons pulled out a CD and he put it in and it was, I mean... They was playing some music that was just kind of like, it was like, oh, my God. And I was like, if this is what I'm in for, I said, this is going to be a nuts weekend because they were just playing music that I know for a fact ain't been heard by nobody. And it was just so smooth and so delicious. It was just, I mean, real music to my ears. And so I'm. You know, there with him, we're, you know, getting something to eat. You know, we're laughing, we're joking. Um, Reverend Wright was absolutely one of the funniest, um, funniest dudes. <laughs> he was saying some stuff. It was just, oh, man, he said something about, um, you know, women at the truck stop. And, oh, my God, it was hilarious. So we were, you know, talking and, you know, I was talking to him about just his start and, um, how, you know, all his sons had excelled in school and, you know, my sons are doing this and that. And his youngest son that was there was the bass player. Uh, We call him DW. Um, He basically graduated from high school at 16 so that he can go on the road and play for his dad. And I was like, that is freaking amazing. And he, you know, being 16, I mean, one of the top bass players during that time, you know, it just had to be year 2000. So we're, you know, definitely um, talking, laughing, you know, joking. And, you know, eventually I end up going to the church and I end up going with, you know, the three brothers and a Reverend Wright eventually ends up coming. So they go to the church and um, that's who else came, LaShawn Pace. That's who came. Okay, rest in peace, Lashawn. Um, beautiful, beautiful um, woman of of the Lord. Um, awesome. I forgot she uh, was there that weekend, and she did a song um, that was remixed by Stevie Wonder. Oh my God, it was it was amazing. So anyway, um, we got to the church, and you know they got their instruments together. Um, with um David on keys then DW on bass and then um the other gentleman I forgot his name um was on drums and um you know they start practicing start getting ready I mean sounded freaking great then um members of the choir from the other church of the city that I won't name, they came. And then those that were in the town, Sanford, um, where the church was um, located for the practice came in. So everybody started coming in and then probably as the festivities started coming in, Dan comes through the door, her and her cousin and her brother and her mom and her sister and I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And I'm just like, the only thing I know how to do is be in this choir and just, I mean, just sing. Because I was, you know, back then I had a voice. I was like, OK, well, I'm going to sing. You know, I'm going to sing and do my thing. And she was there looking as good as ever. We're practicing with the choir. We did probably like five or six songs. Um, and we're just, I mean, just going and rocking and doing all the stuff that choirs do. And, um, we were in rehearsal for a good, you know, three hours. And so then we took a break, um, in between, kind of gather ourselves. Then we came back, did some more songs. Then we got to the end of the night, probably like 10 o'clock. And, um, they started cooking in the back because... You know, LaShawn Pace and her group was going to come in and they was going to rehearse, and so they were making sure that, you know, that they ate well and, you know, had a chance to, you know, see LaShawn Pace. She came in. She was so nice. She was so sweet. Um, Came in, saw her, and um, shook her hand, and then um, was just kind of getting tired and falling asleep and just, you know rocking back and forth, putting my head back in the chair. And um, was just thinking, like, how am I going to pull this off? Because there's so many people here. And I don't know how I'm going to do this without being discovered because I wanted to do this as discreet as possible. And um, it just wasn't, you know, going to be easy. So anyway, um, I um, finally get a ride to my former pastor's house. And um I'm trying to lay down and go to sleep. And as I'm trying to lay down and go to sleep, I just could not sleep. I could not shake it. I'm like, what am I, what am I going to do? And um, I was like, I got to, I got to do something. I got to, I got to figure this out. So I went, knocked on the door of my mom's, one of my mom's best friends, the one that actually, had told my mom about the letters and how beautiful they were, and I knocked on her door, and I said, "Can I talk to you?" And she said, "Sure." And I told her I was like, "I really care about her, and I know that she's, you know, she's taken and she's getting ready to make this move." But I said, "I just gotta, sh- I gotta, I gotta take my chance. I gotta shoot it." And um, she told me, she said. How you feel, is nothing wrong with it. But I gotta be honest with you. You're probably not going to get the opportunity that you think you are. And it's okay that you feel. It's even okay that you told her, but she knows the truth and she's made her decision. And you're gonna have to live with that. And I was like, so what should I do? And she was like, you can tell her, but don't expect anything. And so by hearing this, I'm even more nervous and I'm just rocking back and forth in my sleep. I get up that morning, I catch a ride with um, one of the uh, musicians at the church that was in Sanford. And we get on the road and we head to Lakeland to kinda get familiar with the church and the sanctuary. Sanctuary was huge. Um name of the church was Carpenter Home, Carpenter's Home Church, which has <laughs> been bought out many a times um by different pastors. So we go there, we start getting stuff situated for, you know, the nice festivities. And um everybody slowly starts coming down, starts getting ready for You know, the festivities, uh, choir comes in, we rehearse. Obviously, she's there, but I'm like not focused on, you know, that just yet. Then Kim Burrell comes in, does her sound check to make sure everything is right. Um, LaShawn Pace, she comes down, she does her sound check. And uh, we do, I think, one more run And, you know, I'm seeing her and I'm like, man, I don't know how this is going to be pulled off. I don't know how this is going to happen. And um, so I go to the hotel room that I'm staying in. Um, I believe it's like a day's in that I'm staying in, um, in Lakeland. And um, we're getting dressed, getting dressed up. And we get to the church probably like an hour. And what's so crazy is that um, I ended up getting in the car. It was a van with her mom, her youngest sister, and her brother. Well, her youngest sister, um, her second youngest sister, because she got two sisters. And um, we all got to the church, and I'm just like, man, I could potentially be riding in the car of my hopefully future mom-in-law. And um, so we get to the church, maybe about an hour beforehand, and um, I walk in, we go to the room where, you know, the choirs getting together, kind of do one little final check uh, of vocals. And then, um, you know, we kind of sit and chill because we had, you know, the first artist was going to be Kim Burrell, you know. And, um, you know, in between, you know, the, the before the time starts or whatever, like I basically, you know, start talking to somebody and let him like show me some, you know, some stuff on a keyboard And obviously she's sitting there So I'm just kind of looking like, you know Trying to focus on that But I was really trying to <laughs> I was really trying to get her attention You know, it was like, oh look, look at me But, um There we, um Got ready Kimberrell comes on, absolutely kills it Um, does some stuff off of her Album, Everlasting Life I I'm mean, mercs it And, um That's when um, we uh, started getting ready. Then LaShawn Pace comes on and does, I mean, crazy, crazy performance. I mean, just was just amazing. Um, Then we get up, we're the third, and we get in, we do our thing. We sing our songs, then we do like a quick little interlude, and then we come back and do our last couple of songs, then um, get to Vanessa Bill Armstrong, she goes, she does her thing. And in the midst of, you know, the concert and different things like that, um, we... You know, we're all kind of like going through and congregating, talking or whatever. And there were like little time frames where she was like by herself for a split second. I was like, oh, this is it. And then somebody will come over. And then another time will come and like, oh, this is it. And there was one particular time that she was by herself sitting by the stairs. And it was five, two minutes. And I was like, okay, this might be it. And I get up to walk in her direction and I get probably about 15 seconds from being able to, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And right as I got ready to make that move over there, somebody came and pulls her away to go, I guess, to go see something. And I was like, dang, dang. I miss my opportunity and this might be it. And so throughout the whole night, I'm looking for other opportunities. I'm looking, trying to find, and just nothing. Nothing. And I'm, I'm losing hope, like this very well may end up not being what I thought it was going to be. And, um, we get to the end of the night and one more opportunity presented itself and right as I got ready to walk in her direction she got pulled away again by her cousin and they went and they got in the car and they left and when they left they um they um went to the hotel room And um, I literally went, sat on the stairs, and I just, my heart dropped because I said, this farewell is inevitably the end. And there's nothing that I can do because every opportunity that came, I missed it. I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. So finally got to the end of the night, John P. Key, he murdered it. I mean, they killed it. And, um, we left. Well, I left with a group of, like, six or seven inside of a sedan that could only fit four. And, um, got back to the hotel room when I was with. There was, like, five guys in there got to the hotel room and, um, uh, You know, they played some uh, 3-6 Mafia and they were, you know, doing the different things. And I laid in my bed and I was just sad. I didn't sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I found out, you know, that the choir was going to be going to this church. And um, I, like, I didn't have the clothes because I was like, man, I'm I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sing You know, I'm just going to kind of chill, plus my voice is out. And I remember riding in the car. There was a song that I had been hearing the whole weekend by Joe Payson, Colorado Mass, and it's called We Worship You. And the key that it was in just resonated with me. And it was, you know, kind of like in that moment, I just had to just let go. And I had no choice but to just prepare to let go. So anyway, I get to the church. I get to the back. She's there. And um, service goes on. Obviously, you know how church services go. The preacher preaches. My pastor, she preaches. Gets to the end of the journey. And um, I walk to the bathroom um, right after altar call or right during altar call. And um, my eyes began to welter because I knew the end was here. And I knew it just wasn't going to be. And I got to the world that I was in. and I put my head down and I cried because I knew this heartbreak was inevitable and it was going to hurt me. So we got to the end of service, and uh, everybody's congregating, going outside. And um, I said, okay. This is it. So I got up from the uh, pew, walked outside. She was by herself, said, can I talk to you? She said, sure. And I said, you already know how I feel, You already know where I am, but um, that's all I can say. You know how I feel. And she said, Brian, I do, but I've made my decision, and I'm going to move forward with that. And I said, "Um, okay, can I give you a hug before I leave? And she said, sure. So I gave her a hug and um after i gave her a hug my mom's best friend who saw everything it's like it played out she came and she hugged me and i almost collapsed i cried cried like a baby cried tears came out easily because she knew she knew that this was the end and she tried to tell me but it was okay to express myself but she tried to tell me i took it as this was it i cried cried my tears took a picture with um one of my favorites he's now pastor of um the church in Sanford um took one of the greatest saxophone players of all time took a picture with him got on my plane to travel back to home, got on the plane and the plane was delayed because of weather. And it was ironic that the plane just was tumultuous. And I cried on the plane even more as I felt the weight of the heartbreak settling in. And when I got into the car with my dad when I got home. I, first thing I did was I went to my mom's room and I said, you were right. And she said, really? Yeah, it's over. And she said, I told you. And I said, Mom, you know, sometimes you just got to find out for yourself. And um, I rested on that heartbreak for months. It um, definitely made me think about some things. And um, it took me until probably about <laughs> it took me until probably about august to fully fully take that um it was completely over now in the meantime she got married And, um, I actually ended up seeing her at a funeral for my godmother. And let me tell you, she didn't look, (laughs) she looked nothing like who she was. So it was June, I believe it was June 9th, 2000. And it was the beginning of my senior year. And, um... senior year of high school, not college. Um, And I walked through it and I discovered I was going to be okay. Because right after that ended up happening (laughs) was yet another story brewing from another young lady who this one was almost as epic as this heartbreak. But this person I didn't know. And feelings were brewing. And that story is another one that I'll tell at a different time. But that's the end. I felt what I felt, but everything was written in the letters. I became a writer because of this. This is what helped me formulate my syllables and my words to become the person that I would romantically want to become and I learned I learned that at the end of the day everybody's not going to choose you you may not get your opportunity but what did you learn two things that I learned number one people will make the choice for who they love the most and there's nothing you can do about it and number two all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose it was for a purpose it was for a reason why I went through that. Because the writer in me, the musical mind in me needed to feel, needed to feel resistance. It helped me become a writer like none other. From that, I was able to write. It gifted me with the ability to write, to tell a story to eventually end up being able to articulate love and relationships. It was ultimately my story. (laughs) It was the beginning of my Hitch story. If you've seen the movie Hitch, you will understand. But that's primarily, and quite frankly, the end of it. My first heartbreak. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you have any questions. You can ask me directly, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in and walking with me through my first heartbreak. This is Coach Brian. Concepts and conversations. Signing off. You can find me on Instagram, CoachBT316. You can find me on TikTok, CoachBT316. You can find me on Facebook, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Thomas. And if you would like to work with me, you can find me on my cell phone, either text or call, 310-686-6339. or you can reach out to me at my email address, coach Brian Thomas at championshipcaliber.net. And you can also find my website, www.championshipcaliberconnections.com. You have all the information to connect with me for coaching or just if you want to be a part of the podcast because there's some great things getting ready to happen on this end. Anyway, thank everybody for tuning in, and I'll see you at the next episode. Peace.